You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. Creditworthy governments always come to the rescue of large financial institutions, particularly when many are in trouble at the same time. Since institutions simply do not come bigger than Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the rescue announced by the US government over the weekend was a foregone conclusion. That these were so-called government-sponsored enterprises made it a certainty. Since these institutions have been financing some three-quarters of U.S. mortgages, the socialization of the risks of housing finance is also close to complete. I have little objection to the bailouts. For reasons laid out in my article earlier this week, No Alternative to Nationalization, the U.S. government could not let institutions with combined liabilities equal to 40% of U.S. gross domestic product collapse. It can, however, spare us homilies on the sacred role of free financial markets for a long while. A big question is how far U.S. actions are an example or a warning for others in a similar position, notably the U.K. House price bubbles were far from a uniquely U.S. phenomenon. On many measures, the U.S. bubble was even relatively small, Work published by the International Monetary Fund in its World Economic Outlook of last April suggested that the portion of the house price rises not explained by fundamentals was larger in, among other countries, the UK, Australia, France and Spain. Behind these synchronised bubbles lay the shift in global conditions driven by low real interest rates, easy monetary policies, financial innovations and a search for yield among overconfident investors. Yet at least within the group of seven leading high-income countries, the US and UK had two special characteristics. The first was their heavy reliance on securitized financing. The interim report on mortgage finance by Sir James Crosby, submitted to the UK Treasury in July, shows that at the end of the first quarter of 2008, the outstanding value of residential mortgage-backed securities in the US was 4,685 billion euros, and in the UK, 280 billion euros. Moreover, by 2006, two-thirds of net new mortgage lending in the UK came from mortgage-backed securities. The second characteristic was the explosion of household indebtedness. Here, however, the UK was the leader in terms of both level and growth. At the end of 2007, according to the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, UK household debt had reached 177% of disposable incomes, against 141% in the US. Mortgage debt had reached 132% of disposable incomes, up from 78% in 1996, against 106% in the US, up from 64%. Since house prices in the UK have risen more than in the US, and only just started to fall, one has to wonder what is coming next. So must the UK government. The combination of huge rises in house prices with the reliance on securitization and high levels of household indebtedness have made the US and UK economies extremely vulnerable to housing corrections. This dire predicament is the result of a series of gross blunders. They turned their populations into highly leveraged speculators in a fixed asset that dominates most portfolios and impairs personal mobility. A good part of the financial system became dependent on this activity. And worse still, financial geniuses transmuted simple mortgages into assets so non-transparent that the market ultimately imploded. According to data reported by Sir James Crosby, 
82% of outstanding residential mortgage-backed securities in the U.S. were agency debt. Thus, the most important purpose of the rescues of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac was simply to preserve a flow of lending to the collapsing housing market. The government is explicitly lender of last resort to the U.S. housing market. Is this a wise bailout? The best statement I've read on this question comes from Professor Robert Schiller of Yale University in his fascinating new book on the housing bubble, and I quote, The purpose of bailouts should not be to maintain high values in the housing market, the stock market, or any speculative market. The essential purpose is to prevent a fundamental loss of economic confidence in our institutions and in each other, and to maintain a sense of social justice. As such, the bailout should focus most intensely on preventing distress among people of modest means. In other words, one should avoid economic collapse and succour the vulnerable. The latter are, moreover, the foolish poor, not the foolish rich. By these standards, what is happening in the U.S. is defensively pragmatic, albeit far from ideal. House prices have fallen a long way, as Professor Schiller recommends. At least some of the support will go to the vulnerable, though much will go to saving the creditors of bankrupt financial institutions with huge long-term consequences. Yet again, it is hard to believe that there was an alternative. So is this an example of U.S. policy making that the U.K., quite as vulnerable to the collapse in the housing market, should follow? I very much hope it will not. So far, at least, the U.K. has avoided open-ended public commitments to housing finance. Moreover, offering subsidised finance in a market that is beginning to fall when one has no idea of the flaw is tantamount to debauching financial miners. Above all, no good policy would try to indulge further the fantasy that the British can become rich by paying one another ludicrous prices for second-hand houses. Nevertheless, the pressures on the UK government to act will be strong. Without government assistance, housing finance has dried up, as the Crosby report makes clear. The disappearance of the mortgage-backed securities market is not, I believe, a market failure. It is more likely to be recognition that the market itself was a failure, yet the economic impact of such a sudden and drastic reduction in mortgage finance has been brutal. Nobody would want to start from here. The ills of excessive speculation on a housing bubble, high indebtedness of households and vulnerability of financial institutions afflict the US and UK severely. The US is trying the public sector solution of pouring money onto the problem. The UK is being much more circumspect. Unlike American Republicans, British ex-socialists seem to believe in markets, at least for the moment. Theirs is a bold position. I doubt it will last. But the experience with socialised housing finance in the style of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac should give even enthusiastic interventionists pause. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.